here we are for Montressor Talks. I'm your host, Jesse. Today I have Seth. Hello, I'm here. And Hope. Give me my title, damn it. <laughs> You're the horror whore. Yay, thank you. <laughs> and today we have a very special guest. I've been trying to organize an interview with this man for a, a while now. Uh, Mr. Macon Blair. How are you today, sir? I'm doing well. Thanks for being patient with me. <laughs> we had we'll some technical issues. We'll be patient issues. with you all yeah. day, any day, sir. Yeah. <laughs> he had some technical issues getting this started, but we finally figured it out. Uh, so I have been a fan of Makin's uh, since uh, I saw Blue Ruin, which was the first thing I saw you in. And I also know people that worked on that. I actually even saw the pulse sheet for the equipment at the Washington Source back when you guys were shooting it in uh, the Maryland, Virginia area. Yeah. Um, I, I just brought you watched that uh, last night. You guys really love making use of that six foot slider. I noticed that. <laughs> That was, I mean, uh, that was the main piece of equipment. It was a, a Mighty Works six foot slider that we just used um, over and over and over again. Jeremy had gotten uh, used to that shooting little, um, y- 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 like basically commercials that he was just sort of getting a lot of production value out of, mm. of really cheap. And so he, uh, he just scooted that over when we were making that one and, we, we, we couldn't afford lots of big dolly rentals, so we, we did it all with that one for the most part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how did you actually get into uh, acting? Because you and Jeremy Solnier had been childhood friends. Yeah. And did, you basically were making films together for a long time before you even started making your first movie, which is Murder Party, which is one of Hope's favorites. I love it, yes. too. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm wearing my horror hoodie right now. I'm like, Murder Party is my thing. I love uh, it. A deep cut. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it was just uh, uh, Jeremy and I grew up in the same uh, neighborhood in Virginia and a, a, a bunch of other folks, too. And that's kind of just what we did for fun after school was make movies on VHS and occasionally super eight. And, um, you know, that was kind of our thing, um, for weekends and after school activities. And I guess that's just how we, we got into it. And then it was just about trying to figure out how to, um, turn that into some kind of a job. (laughs) So we all moved to New York and tried to do that. That's wild. That's so cool. Yeah, I mean, it was just, uh, we, Murder Party was the first feature that we did, and that was largely uh, self-funded. It was, I think they shot it for like 200000 something like that. Um, that was a lot of uh, Jeremy and the producer, Chris, and then just friends and family kind of chipping in money. And um, and then it took uh, quite a while after that to to get into Blue Ruin. Everybody kind of went back to our day jobs uh, for a while in between <laughs> the, the the first <laughs> and second one. So it wasn't like anything kind of took off immediately. There was a lot of uh, resets and false starts and that kind of thing. That that makes me. Sp- specifically feel very hopeful just hearing that that is just kind of the process like that i mean it sounds like you're making that out to be kind of normal for for when you're just getting your your roots kind of laid in the industry it it takes a little bit of like mm, yeah it's gonna take some time to grow this for a second yeah i mean i think maybe it because it's to a certain extent uh because blue rowan had a good um 
festival run and that sort of what got Jeremy's um, foot in the door. And then I kind of slipped in behind his foot. Um, And so that's sort of, it seems like the first thing, but there was a good 15 or 20 years of fucking around before that, you know, (laughs) trying to get stuff made and not being able to, and kind of almost getting stuff going and then having it fall apart. So um, yeah, it was definitely more of a, a slow, steady incline as opposed to an all at once type thing. And and that really builds because like as as we look at some of the projects you've been involved in over the last couple of years, I mean like the it, it, you're you're very close to being in that name drop territory, my guy. Like you're working with with uh, some of the people that you know. I, I think working with people like Peter Dinklage, uh, you know, working with uh, or even make. Yes, Soderbergh, or even making your own films. I actually found you through um, I Don't Feel at Home in This World Anymore. Like, oh, just, I love that. It felt like a love letter directly to me. I was like, I <laughs> love this movie. And then as I, as I investigated some of uh, the other films and got into some of Jeremy's films, like it, it's, it feels like a snowball. I'm, it feels like I'm watching a snowball. What does that feel like to you? Uh, that's a good way to say it, a snowball. Yeah, and, and just it, – it, I don't know. It's it, it will never not feel very surreal to get to um, work with or, or work alongside with these people that uh, you know. As as recently as five or ten years ago, I was just watching from afar and and being sure. kind of mystified by. But you know. Um, it's it's very surreal and strange and and i always have to kind of like look around and feel like is this some sort of elaborate prank that's being pulled or something like (laughs) i i try very hard to um not you know geek out in those situations if you find yourself on set with somebody like steven soderbergh and it's it's very difficult to not just kind of um, vibrate yeah i was just about to use that word it's it's <laughs> nobody can notice that i'm fucking nervous and and mind blown and, and all these other things but yeah it's it's very um uh it's it's very startling and i mainly i just feel very grateful uh a lot of the time and and kind of like you know i i, I kind of just give myself permission to be like it's it's okay to be um to have your mind blown by this. I would never want to be in the situation where it's just kind of like, yeah, Peter Dinklage, whatever. <laughs> like it, it's, it's fucking, it's the dude or right. you know, I've been very, very lucky to get to, um, work with folks like that who I've, who I've admired for a long time. In some cases, you know, I mean, my God, I was obsessed with Soderbergh. I've been following since his like first movie. This is just yeah. like, it's a very surreal thing to kind of um, find yourself in a in a in a situation getting to work with folks like that. So well, just it goes to show like what dedication and passion can do. Like you've been so dedicated to all this, you know, and it's like you you like put it into existence, you know. Well, I I hope so. I also think I got very lucky. I just kind of like it. I, I could have just as easily, you know. N- not met Jeremy growing up and things could have diverged in a different way. But I've been very lucky with the people who I've crossed 
paths with and then um, just sort of been able to maintain relationships with them and, and continue to build things and um, and and work together. It's it's if it were to all you know stop tomorrow it would be a bummer but i would still be, be incredibly <laughs> grateful for for what um what i've gotten so far it's it's really mind-blowing i feel like you're setting yourself up for like a truman show moment where it's just all revealed like <laughs> yeah sorry dude uh it, it was all set up yeah you're you're part of a show uh it was centered around making yeah that's uh, this is the reveal actually this podcast is the reveal for your truman show life sucks i'm sorry that it ends today but <laughs> But it would have been a great show. No, you know? <laughs> that's one of the, the, the when the Truman Show came out. That was one of those things where I, I had always kind of it, I can't be the only one where you kind of wonder if yeah. if you're on camera all the time. And then the, the Truman Show came out, and I was like, oh shit, they made a movie about <laughs> exactly what I'm thinking about. So this is like an elaborate double layer of they've read my yeah. mind, but made a movie about it, but. <laughs> Well, it doesn't look like it's going to end anytime soon because you have is it four things that are still on the way. You have was it Brothers, Toxic Avenger, which we'll get to, Rebel Ridge with Jeremy, and Fifty Seven Seconds. Uh, you want to let's talk about Toxic Avenger a little bit because because you, you wrote and directed this remake, and this will probably end up on our other show, Split the Difference, one day, where we take originals and remakes and compare them. Uh, so yeah. Now yeah, I've heard so, it said that this is not. A remake, though, like, are you are we dedicated to that title? How much are you allowed to say? Is the question? Oh well, I mean, as far as that goes, I I I think I'm not supposed to talk about plot stuff, but I mean, remake, reboot, re. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, it's a guy. He encounters some toxic waste. He turns into a mutant. He fucks up bad guys with a mop. I mean, I don't know. It's it's, it's not a tale as old as time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's. I mean, I guess uh, it's I, just I, another I Tuesday. Yeah. What, what's that? It's just another Tuesday. You know, whatever. Yeah, yeah it's uh, this story as old as time. I, you know, I don't know. Um, uh, is that a remake or a reboot? I don't know. It's it, it's not like the exact same character names or the exact. Yeah situation it's kind of taking the basic idea and uh um and and sort of just doing a new version of it so yeah. i i kind of think of it as as a remake or a reboot or something i'm not really sure what the distinction is but it's i think the main thing is that like knowing that the um knowing that the fan base for for trauma and toxie is so um passionate and dedicated oh yeah I, I thought it would be just like a, a non-starter to try and go in the opposite direction of of what they would want in a remake. It's like you you kind of have to serve that group first. I felt yeah, like yeah 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 like that was that was my introduction to Lloyd. Honestly, was Toxie. Like that was that's how I got into the trauma verse and everything. I was like I was obsessed with Toxie. So like when I heard about this, I was like, oh my gosh, yes, I get more Toxie. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, that's that's what you hope for. It's kind of like I I I I, I would want to um, ha- have all those folks like yourself uh, feel like they got something that sort of checks the the those same boxes as the original, and not feel like we're we're gonna do something and just keep the name and and, and <clears throat> go in a totally different direction. It's kind of you 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 wanna you wanna serve that audience, and at the same time have it 
serve the uh, the 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 more mainstream audience that doesn't know anything about trauma that doesn't right. know about toxic yeah. and and you know it's it's never going to work entirely in both directions but that was the goal was to kind of try to satisfy um both of those groups um and so yeah it's 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 the same sort of spirit and the same sort of vibe as the original or at least that's the intention and then um just giving it a new story kind of like a new spin on it so i yeah i don't know if you would strictly speaking call that a remake or a reboot or what it's but a new it, chapter yeah a new yeah chapter, sure yeah um it's, it sounds a bit like the new hellraiser how it's not really a reboot or a remake it's it's another one but it's in the spirit of the original yeah i think that makes sense i mean it's you can kind of think of it as like you know james bond or, or batman or something it's kind of like <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. Yeah. It and it's like it'll be its own thing with its own tone but you know that it'll have the pointy ears and there'll be a batmobile and 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 there'll be a commissioner Gore. you know there's certain sort of ingredients that you know are going to be there and for us it's like well you know he's got to have the mop um right right obviously yeah. yeah but right. it's but it's sort of like it, it you know it could have its own uh its own ingredients at the same time so totally. so it's it's a you know a, a a, a bit of a tricky balance to try and hit all of those um, boxes at the same time, but that's what we yeah. were trying to do. Yeah. Will we it be tra- a hard R rating? But that was one of the things, like right at the beginning, they Legendary had gotten the rights to it and they were working with uh, Troma on it and they were they kind of asked me what, um, uh, what, what I what the approach would be. And that was one of the first things was like, you know, I don't know what y'all are thinking, but it really can't be a PG 13 sort of four quadrant movie. It's sort yes. of, you know, the, the, the hardcore fans aren't going to want that. And then the, the new customers who don't know anything about it are also not going to want that. It's right. like, the, it, 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 you kind of have to commit to uh, a, a certain version. And I kind of yeah. felt like it, it, it had to, be kind of gnarly like that at the same time it it also it needs to be silly and funny i mean like i I, the the blueprint for it was things like airplane and naked gun as much as as much as any horror movies i mean you know yeah Yeah. wanting it to be kind of absurd and over the top was was part of the was part of the wish list do you feel like you added your like the the your touch of spice to this incarnation of Toxie and this story? Like, like, do you feel like you have like your, your fin sail up on top of it? The thing that's, that we can identify as you within it. I hope so. I mean, I, I certainly tried to, I felt like that would be the, the, the way to, um, to make it work would be to personalize it and and have it be something that's n- not just feeling like we're mechanically going through the motions. Um, mm. So again, it was it, it yeah, kind of trying to make it feel like a a bit of a personal story, but at the same time keep it within the trauma boundaries. As, totally. And, and when I say that, I mean not so much the story boundaries, but like tone and sensibility and like. Yeah the way you approach an audience and how you want to entertain them. And, and, um, and, you know, I just, that was another thing was like doing the super grimy, gritty, (laughs) serious version of it was also something I didn't think folks were going to be interested in. So sort of keeping it, um, imagining toxic Avenger directed by Chris Nolan, how mm -hmm. awful would that be? (laughs) 
I mean, that's just not what people would. No, no, would I'm like. cringing at the thought. <laughs> oh. Well, and it just it's something I've observed within the fandom as as the speculation engine starts up around what the movie is going to be. I've I've noticed a lot of people reiterating the sentiment of they don't want it to feel corporatized. That's the real big like, hey, like the original Toxie was all about shitting on this. So like, don't put that sheen on it. Can you speak to like, do you feel like this is a corporate version or do you really, I'm imagining that the, like the reason to bring you in is, is you love this shit. Right. And Mm -hmm. so you are, you're almost trying to trot the line of like a cover band. You know, you're, you're doing a cover of an original song and you're also trying to make it your own. Is there like, is there a framework that you're grabbing in there that, uh, I, I guess that's what I'm kind of going for. What are you most excited for people to see in this version? What's like the the standout that you're that you're gunning for? I I just I want people to come away from it feeling like they got a good entertaining comedy. I mean, like that, that's sort ah. of what it boils okay. down to. It's, it's kind of like it it's gross and it's got the monsters and it's got you know, a, a kind of a superhero, um, you know, underdog hero fighting against the the system. It's got all the, the things that the first movie did, but um, it, we weren't trying to have it be like a John Wick action movie where it was like, holy shit, that was... Uh... We weren't trying to make it like a horror movie that's legit scary and terrifying. I mean, to me... Nobody talks about the original Toxic Avenger like, oh shit, that was a scary movie. Like, no, and no <laughs> talking about it like, wow, that was you know amazing fight scenes. No, they're, they're talking about how berserk and over the top and enjoyable and and just kind of l- lovingly absurd it is. At least to me, yeah. no, of um, course. And, and so that's the sort of vibe that that we wanted to. Um, go for and so you know there there's fights and there's there's gore and there's splatter and stuff like that but the the intention is that people are kind of like you know to one degree or another smiling throughout it that's Mm. that's i i wanted it to be a a fun loose kind of rock and roll type of movie um so as, as far as it being corporate or not, I mean, it's it's made by a giant studio. There's definitely going to be aspects sure, of it. People sure. will say, like, it's... Well, that's it's, the, that, the goal at the end of the day, you know, to be recognized by a big company so you can get that money to make it how you want, you know? Like, right. Well, that's the thing is that, that you know, they were... when I, They, Legendary, and, and Lloyd and Troma were in, involved in this too, but they... I, I kept expecting for a lot more of kind of like, well, you know, we need to do this or we need to do that. And they, their, their input was, was very much editorial and, um, and, and tonal, but they, there was never anything like, well, I don't know, like th- this joke seems a little too weird for the mainstream. They, they kind of encouraged it to be in a weird way. Like they, they were never trying to, um, uh, a shoehorn it into a, yeah. a particular like oh this needs to appeal to the the dune audience or even the Godzilla yeah. audience it, like they That's, were very energized yeah. and comfortable with it like no 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 it should it should be its own thing and then within that they they definitely had input as far as how to make the the best version of itself but mm-hmm. they were very encouraging uh w- with it being um kind of weird and and a little 
um, n- not corporate. So, um, so they really actually did their so they actually did their <laughs> real job then, and not just. <laughs> Oh, no. well, I mean, the, the producer, Alex, that, that was on this, like this, he, he hunted the rights down. Um, he, he, wow. is, okay. he is so the they... original super fan. He was talking with Lloyd. This was not like, a, oh, we, we ended up with an IP on our desk. What can we do with this? It was a guy who was very directed, like, let's make a Toxie movie. So yeah. it was it, a it, man it, on a mission. It, it came from a standpoint of a of a super fan as opposed to just like how do we re- reboot this and like you know it's we're, we're we'll see how that lands with people but the intention on their side and the intention on my side was definitely to to serve the fans yeah, yeah as that's as a awesome. fan that's really encouraging for me to hear for i i love hearing directors and producers talking about like no my hands weren't tied i just i i don't know why i believe that like i I feel like you would say no. Yeah, there was there were some things, you know, like like there would if there were issues. I feel like they would be brought up. But anytime I, I feel I I heard uh, James Gunn, actually I saw James Gunn tweeting about his process with Marvel and how he was not hands tied. And I was like, that's really interesting to hear that 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 move is kind of starting to happen almost at the uh, quote air quotes corporate level. So I'm I'm encouraged to hear it for sure. Maybe yeah. everyone just needs to be associated with trauma and have that like <laughs> don't give a shitness. <laughs> Maybe that's what it needs to be. Yeah, I mean, the, the, it, it's not that like I was allowed to, to just like go nuts. I mean, there's like there's, totally. there's budgetary constraints and there's there's all sorts of conversations to be had and it's it's collaborative. But like I, I was very. Um, uh, not surprised, but just kind of like I, it, it felt good that everybody was trying to make the same movie. It was never yeah, like, guys, awesome. it, it should be silly and ridiculous. And they're trying to say like, no, it should be like dark and gritty. Everybody was sort of aligned with like the the, the type of movie that we were trying to make and the way in which we were going to try and um, have 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 the fans and then the the new <laughs> Not non-fans, but the old fans yeah. and then the new folks. The new gen, yeah. The new gen be 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 pleased um, in the in the same way, and so you know, even if people don't know anything about the original at, at all, they could come to it and be like, "Oh, that was a weird, fun movie." Um, and then the folks that do know the original could feel like you know they got something that was new enough without being like, "Oh, you've taken something that was precious to me and inverted it," you know? Yeah. A uh, quick, quick question. Um, I heard recently that Legendary cut ties with Warner Brothers. Um, did that have any effects on the production at all, or was that just an aside? You wasn't involved with that at all. Yeah, I didn't have anything to do with that, and and it, I believe all of that even happened after we were wrapped. I mean, it's the movie's actually been done for a while. It's just sort of Mm. a a scheduling thing. So Mm -hmm. trying to find the right time to release it kind of thing. Yeah. 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 I mean, like by, by the time the movie was like, we finished post-production, um, uh, like late spring of 22. And so by that time it was kind of like, it didn't really feel like, 
well, it, 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 it was too early for it to be a summertime movie. It also didn't feel like it fit in with the fall, which was already very crowded and, and kind of prestige and, and this is definitely like a, a different animal than that. So I think they were just like, let's just cool it for a minute and then look at 2023 as far as scheduling goes. Um, I would so, have absolutely released that in the Oscar season just to be like, hey, take a look at what we got. <laughs> counter programming. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That'd be funny. You know, that that would have been cool. But yeah, no, I don't. It 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 definitely didn't have any effect as far as anything that I was aware of. I think that was all on like a different a different level than than what I'm involved in. <laughs> yeah, we discussed a little bit of the Warner Brothers fire sale that uh, has been happening recently. That's a yeah. it's a mess. It's a mess. But a uh, quick, quick little thing I noticed. I recently rewatched Blue Ruin. There's a credit in the end in special thanks. It says Francesco Francavilla, the comic book artist. Why, why yeah. is he credited? Why is he credited there? I'm just curious. He did some. Uh, it, it, he did some um, some concept art for. Uh, he did like a a mock up poster at. at at one point when when we were i think that was part of our um uh our kickstarter packages like you could get a francesco poster that's cool i think he he did like limited edition poster for it um and uh and and helped us out with some concept art too i i did a a comic book story with him uh oh shit it was so long ago it was like 15 or 20 years ago, but we just sort of stayed in touch and every now and again, he'll do some, some concept art for something or other, or like a little fake poster, that kind of thing. That's awesome. Yeah. Nice. Seth, I know you really want to discuss, um, I don't feel at home in this world. I hope you really want to discuss murder party. Well, I actually do have a question. (laughs) It's a very out there question about, I don't feel at home in this world anymore. Yeah. So, um. So your two main characters, Melanie Linsky and Elijah Wood, both of them are actually on one of my favorite miniseries, Over the Garden Wall. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with that at all, or like? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah I was yeah. gonna say like I as soon as like when I saw those credits, I was like, wait, Over the Garden Wall, what? What crossover is this? This is a crossover <laughs> episode. Oh my gosh! Like, <laughs> so. it, it was coincidental. Like, I'm a, I'm a big fan of that as well. But it was it was not like I it was not deliberately trying to recreate that casting. It was just in independently. I I had um kind of written those parts with with thinking about them both and um and wasn't really sure if we were going to be able to to get them in the movie and 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 alarmingly um we were it, it was one of those things of kind of like oh it would be cool and and that was they were sort of the ideas that i had in mind for those characters but didn't really think that at, at that point that the movie would even get made um and if it did like well probably we'll we'll have to be you know flexible with the casting and it you know it definitely took like a year to get that movie um going and and part of that was a lot of convoluted casting conversations but again that's one of those like holy shit i can't believe that at at the end of that process i got to end up with the two folks that i had very specifically created 
Yeah. yeah. Like I know like Elijah Wood is a huge advocate for like the weird and everything. Like he produced the greasy strangler. So, I mean, he's always <laughs> down for like the, the smaller projects, the more weird projects. So I, like when I saw that, I knew he would totally be down for whatever you got cooked in your brain. <laughs> yeah. And, and he's, um, how to, t- anyways, he, uh, <laughs> I, I think you'll be very excited with him in the in the Toxic Avenger. He's his yeah. his character is very is is a lot of fun. Oh, I cannot awesome. wait. I cannot I've, wait. I've re- I've repeatedly tried to message him on Twitter, and be like, "Hey, are you available for an interview?" And he never gets back to me. I'm guessing he doesn't <laughs> check his messages. Uh, yeah, I don't think so. And he's you know he's he's got. I know he's a private person. Stuff like so. that. So um, I don't know, but. Uh, yeah, he's he's hilarious in this one, and and I just I, you know, that was uh, my mind was completely blown when we got to um, close the casting deals for for those two on that movie. It, it was just kind of like I, I, I don't know. It's it, it's hard to put into words, but um, it, it was a really special thing for me. Well, yeah, like I said, you like you put it out there you envisioned it you got what you you know like you have this special power apparently to just like make what you want well we're talking about the time when it worked now there's all the other times when i've envisioned things and put them out there and semantics semantics um but i take your point and and yeah if, if if only one of those um envisionings or, or putting it out there situations works out then you know that's that's great for me I was say, that's a lot more than most people so i <laughs> i am jealous of you already <laughs> we've repeatedly said that it's a miracle that any movie gets made these days yeah it's true it's like it's it, i mean it, everything's sort of a, a a slog but in retrospect it it, it all feels um you know you forget the hard parts and you forget the disappointments and it's just uh when when it when it works you can look back on that fondly but yeah but getting there is uh it can be rough for sure (laughs) it's like childbirth you know Mm -hmm. like you 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 once the baby is there and born you forget that you were in pain for so many hours and wanted to die yourself but you're just like oh my baby (laughs) <laughs> that's that's what I've been told childbirth is like, so I will, I, will I wouldn't it. know myself. I'm just thinking of like how my mother would say you were a pain in the ass to push out of me, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently I had a fat head, so you know. Oh, I was a forceps baby myself, man. Yeah. yeah. Oh, they had to vacuum my ass out, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. So, but, um, uh, oh, go ahead. No, 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 you go ahead. You go ahead. Well, I want to talk Rebel Ridge for a second. I'm, I'm yes. a big, uh, I'm a big fan of Jeremy's uh, as yours as well. Like, I don't, I don't want any undue uh, uh, credit here. But I, as a fan of Jeremy, I'm, I'm a, I'm a Maryland guy. I grew up in kind of the same uh, area. Um, you know, yeah, the Norva, we're all Maryland people, <laughs> Norva area. So, so there's like there's community pride in rooting for you guys. You know what I mean? Sure. In the, the NBA. <laughs> There's a little bit of the, a team spirit there. Um, I'm stoked for Rebel Ridge. Uh, I really loved Hold the Dark. Um, th- I, that was like one of the first Netflix movies that I like waited for it to drop on Netflix the minute it was there and hit play. Like I was, I was stoked for it. So can you tell us anything about Rebel Ridge? And if you can, what are you really excited for? I, I, 
did you just produce what I know I, you may be also in it. What, what was your involvement? I'm, I'm, I'm not in it. I, I, I was, I, I, I wouldn't say it's not fair to say I produced it. I was not there on set. I, I have, I'm involved with Jeremy's work. Um, and we talk all the time, but, uh, I, I, I was sort of hip deep in Toxie when that one was going. So I, I wasn't there and I'm not in it. Um, I'm as excited as, as probably you are because I've, you know, I've just seen little snippets of, of, uh, of, of footage and stuff, but I'm really, it's going to be, it's, you know, I'm still waiting to see, um, a cut of it. So it's going to, I'm kind of like on the other side of things now, kind of as a fan waiting to see it myself. It's, um, you know, I think it's, uh, it's it's much more of a straight ahead action movie. It's it's, it's you know um, I think if if Hold the Dark was more you know atmospheric and meditative or however you want to think about it, I think this one's a a little bit more of a two fisted um, bruiser, um, which is Ooh. which is fun. I think I think Jeremy's going to have a, a fun you know character driven. Um, action action thriller uh in this one um do you do you feel like you were the template for this in the in the films that you guys were making back in the the early days of your career like i I, i'm seeing some like blue ruin feelings here you know like do, do you feel like maybe here's a better question as an artist or as a writer are you do you find yourself re- going back to ideas like do you like to kind of rebrush up on things you've touched before and like try it in a new way uh or or cannibalize your own work for a really ugly metaphor um do i am i able to cannibalize my work um oh hey come here Sorry, I, have to go. I got you <laughs> i got to get my dog here um oh, pets in the studio <laughs> There we go. Our uh, our mascot actually is my dog Kit, so <laughs> I love when a dog shows up. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, this is Rascal, so he's gonna he's gonna hang out with me. Yay, BB. Hey, bud. Um. So I'm I'm trying to see if I understood that question correctly. Um, you mean with regards to to Rebel Ridge specifically, or just like no, just yeah, just broadly, broadly, like in your in your process as a writer. Yeah, I kind of have the same sorts of. I mean, it, it honestly, it feels like I kind of am, am going back through the same sorts of themes and ideas um, repeatedly, um, at, at least for myself. And it's something that, like, sometimes it just feels natural, and other times it feels like it's something that I want to kind of like. Oh wait, I have to throw that draft out because I, I, I you know, I was maybe like swimming in waters that I've already swam in or it, it mm. felt unoriginal or like I, I but you know uh, that's all stuff that sort of occurs to me after the fact it's not like when I'm actually sitting down working on something I'm I'm conscious of of like this has to be something new or um whatever so I think there probably is quite a bit of uh unintentional unintentional cannibalism self-cannibalism yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that goes on but um you know, I, I I don't really 
I guess it doesn't occur to me until much later. After it's too late to do anything about it, and then I'm like, oh shit, I just repeated myself. Because <laughs> <laughs> there are similarities between Blue Ruin and uh, Green Room, which we haven't touched on yet. I want to get to that Ooh, um, as well. Room. Oh man, that that mo- oh man, that movie is just sometimes hard to watch. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, like. Sorry, my buddy's he does this thing called reverse sneezing and he's reverse sneezing right now. So I know that's not good yeah. for you. Is it is it because of his does it does he have a collapsing trachea? Um I don't think he has a collapsing trachea. I think he's got crazy dog allergies. Gotcha. But um Because I know yeah. my dogs have that, so I get it. <laughs> oh, the reverse sneeze? Yeah. Um no, with uh, with Green Room, that was one that Jeremy actually had the idea for that in his head. Um, it it kind of predated Blue Ruin. It was sort of like he had thought about that, and and it was something he he wanted to do, but it was too expensive. It was too big, mm. and so um, Blue Ruin was the smaller, more affordable um, movie that 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 we we could do ourselves with a six foot slider, and. Um, <laughs> And then after that, when when there was an opportunity to do something a little bit bigger, he he brought he kind of rewrote the script, but brought the idea back. So nice. Green Room was kind of the first one, actually. You can just see the jump in the budget, especially with the casting, like Patrick Stewart, the late Anton Yelchin, may he rest in peace, yeah. Imogen yeah. Poots, like just like this huge just jump, just up yeah. in size. Also, I want to note that Blue Bruin's not an A24 film, but it feels like one. Oh, yeah. It really yeah. does feel like an A24 film. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I, I take that as a compliment. 100%. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, it, that Jeremy just has that particular style where he, he can do this sort of grounded, um, very suspenseful, sort of character-driven type of storytelling and and i think uh you know that to me those two work very well together as kind of companion pieces and green room definitely is the more expansive version of kind of what he what he mm. started with blue ruin for sure that was How did you convince patrick stewart to do that yeah no 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 i mean like that that was the first sort of like actually no the the, the first sort of like wow there's a, there's a um you know, like like Eve Plum in um in Blue Ruin, which is like somebody that grew up with the with the Brady Bunch was like, Wow, this is weird to kind of be on set with somebody you've you've watched on TV even when she was much younger and then to go mm. you know, from there and jump into something like, like Green Room where Patrick Stewart is hanging around on set was um it was it was it was mind blowing for sure. <laughs> Damn, yeah. I bet. Yeah, I can't imagine. Um, I, I, we have a lot of writers in our audience, so I like to ask questions, um, uh, you know, around writing and, and the process and you have a lot of writing credits. Like if, if you were to claim your, your one hat title is, do you feel like you are the writer as the real creative? Do you feel like you're more in your place directing or producing? Like, like if you try to pick your hat, what, what is the most making? God, that's a tough question. They all have, and I'm not trying to dodge it, but totally. Uh, I, you know, I think I, I think probably the one that's the most natural to me is is writing. Um, that's kind of what I I spent the most time trying to trying to figure out. 
Um, and, uh, but it's kind of like, it can, it's, 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 you're, you're isolated in this little space and you, you put everything you can into this script and then it's sort of either nothing happens with it and, and you feel like you, you know, you, you, you put all this effort into something and then it's just, nothing's going to happen with it. And, and so there's sort of like a, 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 a bit of a lack of control there. Um, so in some ways it's very, um, satisfying and gratifying and in other ways it can be very lonely and, and disappointing on the, the, the flip side, like with directing, you have to a certain extent you have control and it's sort mm. of like you're making all of these decisions. Um, um, it's much more stressful and, you know, it's much, it, it, the downside of that is that it's, it's, uh, it, it, the success or failure of the thing is entirely on, on you. And so it, it has a, a, a different set of sort of rewards and, and drawbacks and, um, and same thing with acting. It's it's actually that that one's a lot of. I would say that one is the most fun because you're you're kind of playing and you get to interact with these other people. But also, it's not it's not really your thing. It's in the hands of the director and largely the the, the editor as well. And yeah. whether you look good or bad is it's you know it's, it's it's a question of control and sort of influence and how much. Um, uh, uh, how much control you have over the process and they're, they're each different. And so what it boils down to for me is I'll, I'll finish writing a script and then I'll kind of feel like, ah, I never want to write again. I can't wait (laughs) to do some auditions and, 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 and try and stretch a different type of muscle. Um, whereas, uh, then I'll, I'll direct a movie and then I'll be completely like, Oh, I, I'm completely worn out by that. And, you know, you've been away from home for so long and, and, um, and then you just want to go back and sit in your room and, and write uninterrupted for six months. It's kind of like whichever one is, is done at the time. I kind of want to go do the other thing. Um, but does again, that, I, does that I, prevent I you from like burning out? One of them. I'm sorry. What uh, does that prevent you from burning out? Do you think moving from like thing to thing? Um, maybe, but I, 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 I don't feel like I'm in any danger of burning out because like I, I I love all of these things so much and so oh, wow. if, if if anything it's it's just kind of like it's it's not burning out it's it's the anxiety that comes with the possibility of not getting the, the possibility of not being able to do any one of these things again it's entirely likely that you know um, I, I I could just never get hired again and you know that that's more of a danger that's more of a a, a bummer than than burning out would be you know what i mean not being able to do these things that i uh that i that that i love so much um Mm -hmm. that 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 would be more of a risk i think than 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 doing it so much that i'm that i'm getting burned out if that sort of makes sense Mm -hmm. wow that is borderline romantic (laughs) (laughs) I remember seeing an interview with Mike Flanagan. Uh, he was saying the way in which he keeps himself uh, going is that he always has something kind of in development or in production. So that way, if so let's say a movie of his fails, it's like, well, I'm already hired on this other thing. And that gene just pick up the slack. Like Dr. Sleep didn't do very well at the theaters, but he was already in development on, I think it was midnight mass at the time. So he was, he was already working on something else. So he was like, okay, the movie failed, but I'm already busy. So I can't really, they can't fire me. 
Yeah. And, and I would, I would love to be at a point where I can have things in, in literally in development where I can ping pong between those. Um, but I definitely do try to keep a lot of things going at the same time for that exact reason. So it's, it's just like working on different scripts or, or stories or whatever it's going to be. Definitely not putting all of the eggs in one basket is, mm. is I think is a valuable um, self-preservation tool. Oh, yeah. um, when I was first, when I was much younger, I would, I would spend all my time on one particular script and it would be like a year of my life. <laughs> Um, and then nothing would happen with it. And it would be like, Oh shit, what a bummer. Um, as time has gone on, it's become, uh, you know, I think I've, I've learned that like keeping as many plates in the air as, as possible is, is the thing to do because you never know which one is going to fall apart or get Mm. it or, or just not work or just, you know, not be any good. Um, and, and, not having that feel like a critical failure, but just like, oh, well, fuck it. There's all these other things over here I could put my um, attention to, I think is that that's, that's not even like a, like a professional strategy. That's like a self-preservation strategy. That's like a, a keeping myself sane strategy. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, definitely w- wanting to, to keep a lot of, a lot of balls in the air. Totally. Well, um, we're coming to the end of the show here. I want to squeeze in a couple more quick questions if we can. Sure. Um, it's over a bit. That's okay. Okay, cool. Well, in that case, <laughs> uh, we'll be here for a while. Uh, hope <laughs> you, you said it for five hours, right? Yeah. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, hope. Do you have any uh, lingering questions you want to grab here at the tail end? Uh, just uh, again, I have been following you since murder party. I loved murder party. I was a huge fan. I am like, as my title at the beginning, I'm horror whore. That's my thing. And honestly, like just, I kind of want to know a little bit of the backstory with like the melting wolf face, wolf Mm. mask face. Like, (laughs) Uh, well, um, I will, you know, so that one, um, we, that, that was, like I said, it was self-funded. Uh, we, somehow we had gotten our hands on this, uh, on that warehouse. I think Bill Tangrady, who played Zyko in that movie, found the warehouse. But anyways, but point is, like, we had to be out of that warehouse at a, at, at, we had a hard out. Mm-hmm. And so the last two days when the melted wolf makeup came on they were i think the last day we shot for like 26 hours or something like that jesus christ (laughs) and so and and that was all just like had to leave this um this this prosthetic appliance on my face for the whole time so when (laughs) when it came time to take that off at the end of the day this is disgusting. I was, it was, it was like this nose piece that fit right here over my nose and my mouth. Yeah. And it was, it was glued on. Right. And then it was right. all shit on top of it. When it came time to take that nose piece off at the end of this incredibly long day where we'd been running around and everything like that. And the, the, you know, the owner of the warehouse is like, you guys got to be out by such and such a time. Um, it's kind of a sketchy deal in, in retrospect. Anyways, when, when the nose <laughs> came off, <laughs> It had collected so much sweat and just fluid in there that it kind of spilled out 
it, it was like a little water bottle that had been glued onto my face. It was fucking disgusting when I tell you it was disgusting. You have to believe me. It was terrible. No, but I, so I actually used to do crime scene cleanup for a living. And like, oh, being, really? She's seen this stuff. I so should like talking about what's disgusting with you. You'll <laughs> <laughs> No, but I'm just imagining like when I had to be in my hazmat suits, like my full body, like full mask and everything. And I, you describing that makes me think of like some of my long things so i like i totally get it and it, it is gross having that pile up so i totally get it you were a crime scene cleanup person yeah, yeah for the D- for the dmv area and then i moved to florida and i ran all of florida you ran all of florida for the cup co- for the company i was basically running the state yeah like like uh, m- murder scenes and this kind of thing yeah yeah yep. oh tell them about the shotgun uh, suicide Oh, the sh- so there's a shotgun suicide where um oh my god pe- people think I'm disgusting and but the thing <laughs> is it was in a it was in a kitchen so it was a shotgun suicide in a kitchen and we have to take photos of a before and after and during the process oh my god so goodness. I'm going to take photos of like every nook and cranny and then I go I see this cutting board oh, and no. I see like the brain and the skull and it's like perfectly lined up like a damn charcuterie board oh and my so i'm Jesus like it's a Christ. brain charcuterie board <laughs> wow you're you're uh you're made of sturdier stuff than i am i'll tell you that right now <laughs> halloween's newest trend brain <laughs> charcuterie boards unbelievable unbelievable well my hat like i said it was the dmv area so like your hometown all that i i I know every nook and cranny of it because I've cleaned it. <laughs> My gosh. Well, uh, that w- 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 I'm sure you must have some stories. That's incredible. Yeah. I, I, I always tell people, if nothing else, I have stories for days. Oh <laughs> um, uh, Jesse, well, I, I'm not going to complain about things being gross then. Anyways, it was... Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> no, like, I totally get what you're coming from, though. Like, I totally get it because I do... Re- like, I do... I, I get it because you do have that buildup and that and it's the dirt and the sweat and the like so I totally get where you're coming from and I never had to say in my prosthetics or my mask for 26 fucking hours so I can only yeah. imagine. I'm so glad this is the Toxic Avenger episode and that this is just really appropriate talk for this. <laughs> <laughs> you did this to yourself, Macon. You signed up for the the gloop and the ooze and all that shit. No, no, no. It's it, it's true. It was that that was another one where it was just like it was so it was just so fun and just sort of getting uh, that was also all friends from high school and, and elementary school, really. So just sort of getting That's to awesome. kind of uh, do that with buddies has been r- really the, the high point of my high point of my story. And it launched you, man. So like that that's even better. So cool. Yeah, I've, I'm I'm beyond grateful. I've 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 had a lot of very lucky things in that way. Uh, Jesse, final questions. Uh, one other thing, there's a credit here for uh, Swamp Thing, the uh, the DC uh, Universe Swamp Thing. How did yep. you land that one? Um, Swamp Thing is one of my favorite characters. I'm very bummed it only lasted one season. Me too, and and he is one of my favorite characters too. I mean, definitely like the 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 Alan Moore um uh, oh, yeah. are are like my all time um favorites. Uh, 
Um, I just uh, I got an interview with Mark Verheiden, who was the uh, the showrunner for that, and and he had seen he had seen Blue Ruin, and and you know what? I I I tried to talk. I kind of I don't I don't want to say I tried to talk him out of it, but I was like, my man, the Phantom Stranger. Like, what are you? A tall, angular, Bill Nighy looking. Oh, what I imagine to be like like a British dude in a fedora. You, what do you like? I was kind of like, what are you talking about? And he was like, no, 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 we're gonna do something totally different. He's gonna be more of kind of like an earthy character that you don't really know. He's the Phantom Stranger at first, and and so I got on board with it. But I was because I came into it as a fan of the comic books. I was like, you guys uh, have a very different interpretation of this character than than <laughs> than how he was on the page. Um, yeah, I, I'm very proud of of. Again, it's one of those things of like, what I get to be in the Swamp Thing show, um, I, I, I and and Derek was incredible. I I, I thought, um, and the makeup was just incredible. The whole Swamp set that they had, it, it, it was just sort of a a dream thing that I got to participate in. I, I managed to go with them and and take their direction and, and do what they tell me to do, even though I I felt sort of ill-equipped to uh to to portray that character <laughs> as i sort of remembered him from the uh from the comic books but it was it was just like a really magical thing to get to walk into the the room and see Derek in the full makeup um it was was just mind-blowing um it was a bummer it only lasted one season uh i i, I hope it comes back again or they do something different i mean you keep hearing about like the dark universe mm-hmm. Maybe they're going to do something with this, that, or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know what's going to happen um, with it or with any of the, the, the DC stuff, but I, I hope they do something with, with Swamp Thing because um, yeah. it's not great. I think there was talk of putting him into one of the CW shows, and all the CW shows are now basically gone. So yeah, that all kind of evaporated pretty quick, I think. Yeah, I, I, it's hard to keep up. It seems like every uh, every so often there's like a new, uh, like, all right, all, we're, we're going to throw all these out and we're going to start ahead with, with with like a new version of of the character or the franchise, whatever it is. It's sort of like I just got to wait and <laughs> see what actually comes out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Would you ever go back to writing comics again or do you want to just stay with film at this point? No, I would I would love to. I I uh i i had a graphic novel come out uh a year before last and i'm 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 writing the the sequel to that one i would love to do um i would love to do comic books um absolutely i'll i'll i would love to do anything anything anybody wants to pay me to do i will do <laughs> i'll be first in line to buy it oh cool yeah no yeah, what, I mean, what is what is that graphic novel called for uh listeners uh it's called long road to liquor city um hell yeah by oni press um oni Pre- okay yeah and and that was it that was a well i think a friend of mine works for oni press uh, robert myers do you know robert myers at all um, i don't um I, I, I but i had sort of like i worked with just a couple of like two editors there and and so there was a a, a big team over there that i i didn't have direct contact with but um that was one that i had written as a um as a script for a movie um but it was 
you know, a, a, it was hard R. It was not based on an IP. It was a period piece. It was very. There was all these like reasons why it would. It was doomed as a as a film project, but um, uh, we kind of retrofitted it to be uh, a comic book instead. And so I I worked with uh, an artist that I'd worked with before named Joe Flood, um, who's actually actually Joe and I have speaking of comic books, they're they're doing a uh, a Toxie graphic novel um, nice. times, and so Joe and I have a story in that. So yeah, still still definitely working on on comics whenever I can. Awesome, we're all nice. comic nerds over here too. So like that's cool. right up our alley. Nice. Well, I hope you enjoy that when it when that one comes out. Well, nice. perfect. It's, yeah. Um, I my girlfriend would absolutely assassinate me if I didn't bring up uh, you being on Reservation Dogs. It is her favorite show, <laughs> and when I mentioned that you, I was going to be interviewing you. She was like, "Oh, I know him." And I was like, oh, what have you seen? And she was like, Reservation Dogs, and then proceeded to show me the show. Uh, yeah. So y- she said, you have to say three three nice things about the show. That's that's the request. Oh, well, I don't want you to get assassinated. <laughs> um, I could say I could say more than that. Sterling is a the, – the, the showrunner, Sterling Harjo, is a um, really, really sweet guy and incredibly talented. And it's just uh, – I, I love seeing how – um, the show that's very much his baby has has blown up and become kind of a phenomenon. Yeah, um, that those uh, the kids that play the kids all all four of them um, are just uh, in, incredibly sweet um, young actors. I, I I had like just kind of like one scene with Bear. It was very very small. Yeah. Bit. But all of the other um, <laughs> actors, even though they weren't in the scenes, they were they, they were just hanging around. Um, it, it was a very cool like. Um, e- even when they didn't have scenes to shoot, they were just hanging out on set. So I it, love that. It's cool little um, clubhouse vibe. Um, and then the last thing I would say is uh, they had really really tight COVID protocols on that show. The first season was right in the midst of the first wave, and um, it, it was kind of like. For me, I was like, how is this going to work? You know, nobody was really sure, like, what was going on in the world, let alone in the industry. Yeah, uh, the dark times, is, as uh, I remember it. <laughs> yeah, Mask, it was Face shield. Yeah. yeah. But, all of that. And it was my first experience with, like, okay, this is this is how you could make a set work. And, and it's not, it's, you know, it's not fantastic, but it was, it kept everybody safe and it, and it kept the work flowing and so um that's not as exciting as oh the the, the kids are sweethearts but <laughs> it, was, it, it was it was very cool to see how how there's a way to sort of make that work and keep everybody safe too so no yeah that's a oh, yeah. that's a huge compliment especially for a, a you know a, a hulu show that some people might call an underdog i love that it's taken off and it's like front page advertising for them now like it is and it's good it's so good i'm, I'm it's very great yeah no it's fantastic and and i was i was really happy that they asked me back i i i hope they will ask me back again i would i would i would be there in a heartbeat if they did well hell yeah well Macon, i really appreciate the uh the time that you've given us on the show here um for answering all of our questions and kind of appeasing our our fangirl moments uh i i really appreciate you being here 
My pleasure. Thank you uh, for being patient with the tech difficulties at the beginning. Um, and yeah, I had a great time talking with you guys. Please um, hit me up again uh, after Toxie uh, comes out if you want, and I'll be able to. to. You know, we could. Th- th- there won't be spoiler restrictions on it at that right. time. So. Uh, yeah, I'd say, love I'll, to I'll fly out to you. Texas to avoid tech issues if need be. Shoot, like to have <laughs> to have you back would be amazing. Running the if mic I can't out figure out now. my fucking microphone settings between now and then, then I don't deserve to be on any other shows. I'll get it figured out. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> You're amazing, yeah. and you've been so you've been such a treat. Honestly, you really have. It's my pleasure. I, I, I'm I'm very glad to talk to you guys, and uh, I hope we get to again sometime. Perfect. You want oh, to that would be amazing. Ah, that's, that's all I have. Oh, do you miss living on the East Coast? Do, do you see staying in Texas for a long time? Ooh, I, I don't. I do miss living on the East Coast. I miss Virginia especially. I miss, I miss New York a lot. Um, Texas is good for us right now, but uh, <laughs> um, I, I, I don't know if I'll be here in, in – in the in, in the long term it's sort of it, it depends on what the kids are up to but sure. yeah right now, good. but yeah no I'm, i miss virginia uh, very much i was just back there my my dad still lives there my brothers live in philly so i i get back there uh nice. yeah love it there for sure nice yeah well that's all i have but thank you Macon. thank you so well, much we've been trying to you. schedule this for a long time I know. Thank you. Thank you for being patient with me. And um, it, it was very nice to meet uh, all three of you. I hope we get to talk again soon. Oh, Absolutely. Cool. You guys have a great day. If you have any uh, questions, like follow up or whatever, then just shoot me an email. Sure thing. Awesome. Absolutely. Thank you Thanks. so much. Seriously. Right on. It was good to talk to you. You too. Thank you. And if you have any messages I need to clean up for you, you know who to call. <laughs> right. <laughs> she'll get you cleaned up entirely Uh, (laughs) all right guys i'll talk to you soon all right see ya see ya thank you bye